Hello, everybody, and welcome to <laughs> the gag, a spoof cast where I, Joshua Simon, the gay, anxious gremlins, talks about. I almost said "What's up, gremlins," and then said the gay. Uh, I need to. I need to figure out what I'm supposed to say at the beginning of these things. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Right, we talk about queer things and horror things and queer horror things on this spoof cast, the gag, um, and usually I talk about like one movie or something particularly gay about one particular movie but i'm switching it up because drumroll we're having the first of a two-part crossover event with another podcast uh run by comedians out of chicago the wonderful andrew baldwin sanix smythe and they run a podcast called we die first it's an exploration of uh, black representation in horror and they had me on to talk about deep blue sea LL Cool J's greatest visual work. Um, not not his greatest musical work, but his greatest visual work by far. And that includes his abs, which are also a work of art. So, you know, it's I'm, it, it, I'm saying a lot. I'm saying a lot here. Deep Blue Sea is, in my opinion, a classic. Um, we talk about a lot of classics, and we talk about so much and so many different movies that I'm splitting this into two parts. In part one, um, we talk about what got them into horror, and we... Um, and and I also do the same. Um, yes, I talk about myself a lot. Surprise, surprise. In part two, we will continue with our the conversation we seem to be gearing up for at the end of uh, this chat. So I promise, I, I'm sorry it's going to take another week for you to hear the second half of, of this, but um, there's just so much to cover. And I would love to have them back on one day. Uh, um, because of their podcast, I've been watching a few uh, creature features this month because they're doing something called Ape Shit April. Um, so I watched Crawl, Alexander Aja's film about the crocodiles in Florida. Um, remember when the most dangerous thing in Florida was crocodiles and hurricanes and not elderly Floridians who <laughs> refused to wear masks? Um also, we've got... What else did I watch this week? Well, this isn't a creature feature, but uh, um, I watched Housebound, a spooky little haunted house comedy out of New Zealand. Very fun. And uh, The Invisible Man. Ooh, yes. The Invisible Man, which leaves HBO at the end of the month. Lee Wan L's remake uh, from 2019... 2020. 2020. Yeah. And uh, it's real great. It's very high-tech, very spooky, great action sequences, I mean, beautifully filmed, and it's, it's allegorical, and it's, it's prescient, um, and it's a good, it's a fun ride, it's a lot for some people, and, and Elizabeth Moss really, really sells, you know, this performance of an abused woman, and so, you know, practice some self-care if you're going to go into that one, know that it, it might be a bit heavy at times, but as we discuss in, in this show, um, you know, no matter what happens in a horror movie, it can't hold a candle to what real marginalized people go through in daily life, and we talk about that a bit in this episode, but this was recorded before the uh, guilty verdict in the murder of George Floyd was reached. Um, and I just wanted to mention that as something that happened and something that I support happening. It is in no way, you know, justice. It is, as so many have said better than I could, the bare minimum of what needs to be done in terms of progress. But I did want to mention that it, it there is something of, of a tinge of a... a an iota of relief for people who have always felt uh, endangered by the systems in this country that are built to uh, ostensibly protect them. And I just wanted to point that out. Um, I am in, I am a clown, and I am in no way trying to, you know, be the authority on anything like this, but I think that even through the scope of, you know, the comedy and the horror movies that, that we watch, we can still... Um, be able to talk about the shit that goes on in this country that is crazy and 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 <laughs> what else was I talking about? Um, oh, speaking of creature features, I also watched a documentary on Eddie Pepitone. 
the bitter buddha um it was from a while ago but i just love pepitone so much uh in terms of you know no but there's nobody like him there's no comedian like him there's nobody who does what he does on stage and it's a very touching portrait from almost a decade ago and and the man's still doing it he's still releasing amazing amazing work and it was some times hard to watch because it's very real and it and it's it's a very tender portrait of a guy that you know has just been working very hard for very long and it's also really hopeful because in the 10 years since this documentary came out i mean eddie pepitone has an entire new legion of fans thanks to uh modern media and his <laughs> his very distinctive mark on it but enough about straight white men let's get into uh podcasts about gay horror shit and uh the crossover event that everybody has been waiting for Please enjoy this episode of The Gag, a spoofcast with St. Nick Smythe, Andrew Baldwin of We Die First, a podcast about representation in horror. Um, and I just love these two so much. Enjoy the enjoy the shoe. now just in case <laughs> sometimes you get some good stuff hello? in the pre-show hi we can hear you hello hello oh perfect sorry i was trying to i just got new, new headphones so i was trying like, to like, within the day are those up. new these suck i'm returning them <laughs> oh i'm so excited this is this is a rare occurrence then we have the one recording these headphones will ever be a part of <laughs> Yeah, I got them today from Amazon and they're not they're not good. That's the thing about Shocking. Yeah, right? That's the thing about ordering from Amazon, you're like I know. I but know. we have to. No, yeah, yeah, we, we have to, <laughs> but it's reminding us time and time again why, you know, maybe maybe stores, retail stores aren't the worst thing. Right. Even though capitalism right, is right. capitalism I'm... is the worst thing. All right. Sorry to like burst in and start talking about my headphones immediately. That's totally fine. I used to do an intro, but it would freak the guests out because I because I would make a gagging sound, so they just have to watch me go <laughs> like for a good ten seconds. And I make you know I, I just have a rubbery face and rubbery legs, and and that's well, that what I do. Described it, I'm really. I'm really intrigued. Now I have to do it. Now I have to say, hey, everybody, welcome to... You should... <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how that freaks anybody the out. The gag. This is, like, this is a... Yeah. We one person, we getting into. One comedian, uh, Lita Darmia, one comedian, uh, likened it to Seinfeld music. <laughs> like the that's intro. Actually, that's actually... Yeah, I was going to say, it kind of sounds like the rough demo before they hired a bassist. <laughs> They did not get a bassist in there in time for like the first three seasons. It's just yeah, but just some guy doodly guy. doodly doot violin. <laughs> How are you two? So good. Isn't good. it just a great time to be alive? It is. Um, I know. It was sunny for a minute in Chicago. Not so sunny as of late. Oh, that's right. How much sun have you had in Chicago recently? It rains there what ninety percent of the time. Um, mm. I would say I feel like we we had some we had some sun for a bit, right? Yeah, because there was that little last fake out spring, golden. and then it started raining. Yeah. Last week was yeah. amazing, and then it was like, psych. Just kidding. You're in the Midwest. Oh, and <laughs> how long have you both been in Chicago? Because you started in Maryland or DC, say, or is it? Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I realized it, I've never heard your name pronounced. In real no, life. it's fine. You it's say say, say, right? say Nick, it doesn't matter. You say say or say Nick, it doesn't matter. Gotcha. But gotcha. um, and is yeah, it Smith or Smythe? Yeah, I started in Maryland. Smythe. Smythe. All right. Mm-hmm. And is but it... yeah, I started out in uh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and is it Andrew or Andrew? Um. 
Yeah, I go by Andre. There's no accent over my E, but I go by it. I'm kidding. I'm Andrew. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Time for rebranding because we have never, yeah. none of us have ever met. That's true. That I would funny. love if you, if Andrew did reveal today that his name's actually Andre. And I've been calling you Andrew for years. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> for like two years. <laughs> So you've known each other two years. I totally didn't let you answer when you were telling me about Marilyn, say. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, that's where I grew up um, outside of DC and then moved here three years ago, about nice. three years ago. Nice. Yeah. Because you were like, DC's swampy, but it's not cold enough. I need to go somewhere where it's like swampy and cold. I'm like, I want to freeze my tits off. So I'm into Chicago. <laughs> I love it. Both worlds, yeah. <laughs> nice. And you do comedy in Chicago. And Andrew, do you do comedy or music or both? Little both. Little a lot both. of both. A little a of both. both. Yeah. Not a lot of anything right now, but usually yeah. a lot of both. Yeah. Yeah. Usually <laughs> I'm like booked fucking solid. I'm like running from teaching children drums. And then I'm running to, you know, like Second City, where I'm obviously headlining whatever I'm doing. Right. And they're paying you to and show I've, up I've, and do shows. <laughs> I've, I've gotten paid for comedy on several occasions and holy shit. It is, it is I made $15 at one show recently and the excitement I felt from actually making money doing comedy, <laughs> making $15, I'm like, oh my goodness, right? I can afford my own dinner because that's normally what they pay you in is the dinner. Right. Yeah, so I made 12 I was going to say, you we go. were part of this show and we were just really excited because we made enough money to cover the second half of our director's uh, fee. So that was nice. It's the it little victories. Nice. It's the little, it's like finally, <laughs> finally saved up for new headshots. Still don't know why I need them. I have pictures of myself <laughs> all over the place in such great quality too, because the internet is just getting better and better, but nope, you got to print out 50 of your face and right take good auditions <laughs> with you yeah i made 12 dollars a few weeks ago and i actually texted my mom about it nice. I was like look ma i made 12 dollars," and she was like that's good <laughs> do you have a real job yet though <laughs> oh i was i got the first time i ever like got mad at my father was early on when i was like like i was i felt so good because i was hustling so hard because I made mm. three different checks in one day, not for a lot of money, but doing different things like a play reading mm -hmm. here and a, and a VO from a week ago there. And like, I was so proud of myself for having collected three different paychecks for creative jobs. And of course, my father picked that evening to be like, well, when are you going to get, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. When are you going to get a survival job? You need to go and, and do some of that. And I'm like, I am. Of course, I'm trying to get a survival job. I was so furious that after hustling all day, you know, there was still someone like, well, what you do is not a real job. Just remember that. I hate that yeah. shit. But I'm really excited <laughs> for you that it sounds like you got a good ways into your relationship with your father before he pissed you off with that. <laughs> right. I'm like, <laughs> oh, wait. Most people get like, I remember my, I, so I went to school for music and I remember one day I was like, almost done with my undergrad and my dad goes we were just sitting reminiscing and then I was saying some bullshit about music and he goes you know I remember when your mom came home and got you that drum set for your confirmation present I was fucking pissed because I didn't want you to have drums I'm like well what the fuck dad and he goes no no because at the time it wasn't music I was like I never thought I was that bad I had never heard percussion before and suddenly yeah. I listened to Neil Peart for the first time <laughs> last week I, right like i and then i remember going and my mom is that mother that is so believing in everything i do and then i graduated with a master's in percussion and she goes well what are you going to do for money and i'm like right i'm like i don't know try to get a job <laughs> at a college but i know that's not gonna be super easy so then i'll move to chicago and try to be a comedian excellent picking two real lucrative yeah people get so jazzed they're like well what's your what's your fallback plan i was like oh, i'll go back for a doctorate <laughs> yeah, yeah grad I think school my mom they is... want you to do it <laughs> don't do it it's a trap don't do it 
We'll see. Yeah. I fucked myself over. My mom is weirdly supportive. I think only because I got an education. I think if I had expressed a desire to do comedy outside of like out of high school, out of high school and like, I'm going to be a comedian. I'm going to move to Chicago. It would have been an issue. I think at this rate, it's like, well, you're grown. I don't pay for your life anymore. You have degrees. You're fine. Just go do what you want. It's nice that she was like, you have, you're a grown woman now and you have your independence. And, and while Andrew and I had like more doting mothers who were like, we want to know that you'll be okay. When, whereas your mother's yeah. like, you're going to be okay. You're going to find the tools and it's going to be hard, but you're going to do it. Oh no. I think she's just tired of me. She's oh, like, she's like, get out. You, you, you have to be okay. Like at this point, this is, she's yeah, so I've invested too much. Her. I remember she needs to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I told I used to tell this one joke that would never work if the audience was half or more white because it was about me coming out to my mom and saying and and her wanting to be supportive but going like a little bit too hard. So she was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go join P Flag. I'm gonna go call them up and P flag back was parents and friends of lesbians and gays, <laughs> like back when they thought there were only two. Yeah. <laughs> they really had no idea how, how expansive it could get, how much it was going to crack open. <laughs> and I used to tell a joke like, and I, and I was like, mom, you don't have to do that. And she's like, I'm just trying to be supportive. And I'm like, what if I, what if I, I brought home a significant other who happened to be black and you were like, oh, we're going to watch every Spike Lee movie ever made. I'm like, mom, chill. We'll start with do the right thing. But we don't, you know, we don't know if you're ready for She's Gotta Have It. We don't know if you've reached She's Gotta Have It levels. And that joke would never work. Obviously, it's loose as fuck right now because it, I haven't tried it in a room in 18 million years. I think it's great. Bing. I think it's great. But yeah, no, I can see in a white audience, they're like, mm, Spike Lee, who's that? <laughs> Spike Lee, oh, oh yeah, like that, that channel for men. I know Spike. Oh, yes, I know. Uh, a thousand ways to die? Oh, yes. yeah. Totes, well, now I'm invested. <laughs> Let's see what this comedian has to say about man shit. Oh, I loved the five bloods. I was, it was a little long. It was a little long. Oh, I loved the Irishman. I didn't think it was too long at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Our clumsy yeah. way of, 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 of segueing into the topic of representation and horror, which I'm so excited to talk to you both about because you have a podcast called We Die First, which is an exploration of black representation in horror. Hara, horror. <laughs> there we go. I'm trying. <laughs> what made you guys want to do the, a podcast about scary movies as since you're comedy and, and La La people, music people. I don't comedy know why I called La it La La. That's on my, uh, that's on my CV and my, my actor's <laughs> resume. <laughs> Your first like comedian and La La Land—they're like La La Land. I was like, no, don't you dare tie me with that fucking abomination. Please, but I no. <laughs> Sounded like that movie was shot in the ocean. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness! It's such an issue with like, of all things, the sound design for that movie pissed me off so much. <laughs> and Christopher Nolan said, uh, "Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> There's more." <laughs> um. What, I guess, well, okay, so we met doing comedy. So I think that's where it started. Um, specifically, we met at an audition for a sketch team. And is, we were the- so appropriate too, for like what we later go, what we're talking about now. Because <laughs> you're yeah, about I to go through a horrific experience perfect. being on a sketch team. <laughs> so yeah, we met at this audition. I think we, we auditioned together and we ended up both go um getting onto the sketch team but we deduced that we were the t only two black people i think that audition it also didn't help you know it was one of those it's like like we're looking for two new people or we're like like diverse applicants <laughs> like really wanted or encouraged to apply but, yeah you know, yeah we're casting it, the role of duke <laughs> like literally i think the, the rancher first, <laughs> the first time we hung out uh, or hung out the first time we like showed up to this rehearsal and we locked eyes and it was just like you knew we were getting in <laughs> yeah I was like I had a feeling we would we would see each other again <laughs> <laughs> for better or for so, worse <laughs> so we met like that and I think um, we started the podcast was it 
the summer, I think. So quarantine. And mm-hmm. um, I think we had talked horror before and we just figured it'd be a, you know, a nice marriage to those two things, I think in part because of our experience as well, like in comedy and also just two black people in very white spaces, like throughout our lives, it kind of just, I think, fit kind of perfectly to do a podcast like this. Yeah, because it's yeah. horror is, is interesting when it comes to representation, because as with all of as with all industries, it's very slow to progress to mm-hmm. a point where, you know, people are telling their own stories and choosing how they get represented in those stories. Um, right. And yet it seems so often that horror is at the forefront of putting those things out there because horror movies use these allegories, these horrific situations as allegories for the horror of real life, which, you know, as try as movies might, they cannot match the horror of of living real life as a marginalized person in this Mm. scam of a country. Um, (laughs) Scam of a country. I like that. Horror and scam of a country. That's why I was harping on higher education, not to not to belittle anyone's you know graduate degree or anything. But the more I think about uh, higher ed, the more I'm like, wow, they really got us all. They got us good. Oh, oh yeah, completely. Please, I I got a degree in something that children are just prodigies in. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Know? It doesn't matter. <laughs> like fish and bear. Some of you, some people don't go to school and are like working from age six to in the business and then some people go to graduate degrees and become professors and they, you never hear about them until they show up on uh oh gosh the handmaid's tale i'm thinking of ann dowd who taught at my friend's college so every time she was on <laughs> oh really? the handmaid's tale he'd be like hey she uh she taught me object she taught me how to do that that's so funny i didn't know that i didn't know that she was a an educator before when you, i guess being an when actress it comes to character actors and people who have been in the business long enough they've all taught at some point too uh, yeah. like all of us yeah, have taught point. at some point <laughs> or or we will because you know this country we gotta we gotta we gotta fit into it somehow capitalism yeah. or not very true yeah so so you start a podcast on representation and horror. Do you pick one movie to discuss per episode or do you invite guests on? Both. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of just stemmed, at, like we just did our first recording and we just kind of went by the, like whatever the first movie was. Um, we just kind of went beat yeah. by beat. And then it just turned us like riffing on shit we thought was ridiculous. And then afterwards, once we were done going through the movie's plot, being like, well, what if this was like a black movie, you know, like black theme or black cast, or if one of the like main characters were black, how would it change this movie? Mm. Or, you know, it's like if the any important aspect of it, if it was a black person, like the director or whatever. So it just kind of expanded to just talk about, not necessarily from the representation standpoint, but never shying away from talking about it and then totally going into it at the end. And then mm-hmm. we thought it would be fun to bring on guests to talk about it, especially because I don't, we've only had another, one other guest that was black, but we've had a couple other that were other ethnicities and races that offered other viewpoints like Amar Rosebud was talking about, we talked about shit. What was the movie, the first one we did with them? Uh, we did Hellraiser, Hellraiser. with them. Ooh, So we were talking about, so we talked about like how, you know, the, the husband and wife, how they weren't getting along, but it was mostly the wife kind of just being, being a fuck boy right and trying to right. get with, she was uh, with the brother <laughs> she was then, such a pillow princess right yes and, and Amr, you know he was saying you know my parents they had uh an arranged marriage so that's some like white people shit to just be like go like, <laughs> to be the sociopathic to, power yeah, bottom it's, it's like i just yeah we learned how to deal with it and you just 
you just have to fuck around because you can't handle it <laughs> it's like you had a choice and you fucked up that's you know? <laughs> Umar is so funny I oh yeah his video where he cuts a chip oh god yeah. oh my god I can't it's go into detail because it's, it's it's important to not know what you're about to see it's so upsetting it's, it's so, so upsetting. yes <laughs> yes it's so upsetting and yet so hilarious I talked about Hellraiser uh with J King Wack who uh, uh for a time Jane. worked as a BDSM dominatrix so we talked about it from that angle because there's mm. so much like you know hooks mm. going through nipples and and how the worst character yeah. is just this vanilla sociopath power bottom who who just wants to uh fuck Frank because he's hairier and hotter than the than the yeah. rich guy she married <laughs> like but I was stuck yeah, on that. I'm like, oh, Frank's actually hot. I'm so pissed that I'm attracted to Frank. <laughs> Bef- I mean, before was, the skin though. comes off. And a little bit after, but that's that's another thing. <laughs> Save that for therapy. Yeah, but it's been funny doing, I think, um, especially the ending portion where we kind of reframe the movie. Because I think we've come to the conclusion that we know that the horror movie is really good if it doesn't change. Yeah. Like if it is just if like a, it's somehow applicable. Some okay. Right. It's like, no, this would still work in a way. You know, I and feel like the more you know changes, it, it almost like exactly. Right. <laughs> like we did a uh, society recently and we deduced that you you could change aspects of it, but it realistically worked as is because it was mm-hmm. more of a comment on like class. the classes. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you, you don't want, so it really worked that all of, like the upper crust in that movie were white and right. it would really mm-hmm. fuck up that message if they if any one of them were black and society was 89 yeah yeah like mm-hmm. end of reagan yeah that, so. i think that had a i think that had something to do with it because like you know shondaland hadn't didn't exist yet so we didn't have a, a truly colorblind historical fiction and if you were talking about classism in the united states it would it just simply wouldn't go over well if you ignored you know how classism is tied to racism here and you know well everywhere else but but like absolutely yeah Yeah. especially with the kind of wealth I think that was explored in society because at the end of the day spoiler if you're listening and you want to watch society when it's revealed that like they're not just these horrible rich people who live off of the poor but like specifically they are a species of their own I feel like that speaks to like not just class, but also like the very like systemic realities of class. Like this is generational. This is something like you can't, the reality is that you can't ever be us because we are a very specific subset of society that like you can, you can become wealthy, but you'll never actually be able to like enter that space. Which is why we say eat the rich, because otherwise. Exactly. They will eat you. That was another (laughs) note. I don't, um, because there's this one funeral of this kid and it's a Jewish funeral. And then so, (laughs) but we were, we were trying to think of like, what was the significance of that? You know, because it was very. There had to be. Right. It was just very easy to be like, this is just a fucking funeral. We didn't even have to show any specific denomination of anything but it was a Jewish funeral. And right. then we were just talking about how, you know- It's cheaper um, to buy a like... priest robe than a, than the <laughs> rabbi get up, like from- Yeah, they purely, were like, they were like in a wardrobe. synagogue. Yeah. Like... yeah they rent... <laughs> Maybe location was like, okay, so I know you wanted Trinity Church and just scheduling. I'm so sorry. We got a synagogue. It's gonna be fine. We'll just shoot in the synagogue. <laughs> it's way cheaper. <laughs> they think they think $100 for a day is a lot of money. <laughs> I think I think some of the significance is that that funeral you're talking about in this movie was for a character who was rich or was not rich. But that that's kind of what I think Sonic was saying in when we were talking about it is that he was rich and dating like the daughter of the family, but they didn't mm-hmm. like him. And it was kind of a testament to like you were wealthy, but you're just still not one of us. Yeah, I right. feel like because the movie is so much a comment of like wasp wealth that it's like even if you are a white person in that space as his character is 
his being Jewish excludes him from that space still. Like he's still, you know, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that like there are country clubs in this country that didn't accept like wealthy right. Jewish members until the eighties as well, right. you know? So it's like, so they built their I, own. I think they were, do- I think yeah. exactly. I think they were doing something there that was like, I think kind of clever of like, you, you can't marry you can't into this. It's like you either through. are or you're yeah. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause eventually, and because because there were plenty of Jews and there still are plenty of Jews who voted for certain people and uh, believe in certain things that simply would not have benefited them to believe in where they still, uh, you know, the first generation of these Jewish immigrants that came in at the turn of the century. It always astounds right. me when Jews, Jews in my own family are are saying these crazy things and voting for these crazy people because they somehow think that I guess they're white enough. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. it's it's always my take about that. And I don't just do like like radical for your podcast. It's like, <laughs> listen, rich waspy white people remind you that you're not one of them when the time comes. Like don't get too comfortable. Right. They they you will find a way. I like <laughs> they will trust me. <laughs> It still happens as a gay person. It happens as a Jewish person. It it's so weird when you're like, "Oh, you've never met someone like me before," and it just clicks. Like, "Oh, you just don't have any. You're not there because it's not. Ne- it's often they're not trying to offend. It's always mm-hmm. it, it, not always. It's so often." that they simply don't know and are ignorant and are too fragile to be confronted with their own ignorance. Oh man. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, there's this article that I always saw and it was, you know, there are many articles, but it was like, you know, if you're a white person, stop doing these casually super ignorant things. And then one of the things was like, stop asking if we're mixed. It just shows that you don't know or hang out with a spread of black people and that you only think of us as a monolith and you have to fit this bill to be black and I think of that frequently because Mm -hmm. I was at this work function where this person like a customer asked if I was black and I was just like okay (laughs) and had my bosses not have been there it would have gotten (laughs) it would have gotten sassy would it have was it a white person who asked (laughs) oh yeah and you know and then so this turned in like a a thing when I was like would you would any like none of you had to say anything because I handled it so well but would you have and then their thing was like oh well I just like I was paralyzed I didn't know what to do which is like because it was so banal you know it wasn't like she was coming at me like you fucking trying to kill me with a noose or something so that's something where I'm like she wasn't like uh, she wasn't giving you the idea that maybe you should say no yeah yeah you know (laughs) there have been times i've been asked on the street hey are you a faggot or like just on the street and in those Mm. times sometimes i have said no because the way that it was asked simply made me feel like it might not be safe to say yes yeah so yeah. I was exactly i wasn't feeling that i was but you weren't feeling that in this situation so so there's no need but my point was like would you all speak up and then they're like, oh, well, you know, and then I got hit with the, well, you don't know where people are coming from. You don't want to just confront them and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, and then I'm a, I'm a piece of shit. I like to test people. So I'm like, this was an easy test, which you failed. So if someone did come at me, like fucking like N word this and all that shit, would you do something? No, because that's harder. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. like harder. <laughs> It's not harder to recognize that you should call it out, but it's harder to fucking say something. So Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. So, but your comment mm-hmm. is saying like people, you know, very quick to remind you, you're not like one of them. And it's just like, it mm. happens in subtle ways. Yeah. And I think that's like, I, I'm realizing now because of the way that I, I consume horror movies is really changed a lot. Like I... <laughs> Andrew knows I grew up watching them at a too young age. So like, my yeah, brain she, is like she, forever. He was watching like skinless Frank and being like, ooh, when she was like five. 
Oh my god! I mean, close enough. I was watching. I didn't watch Hellraiser at five, but I was watching Halloween at like six. I was too young to be watching any oh of this, but I was goodness. definitely watching like horror and it was just like in the first grade. Like this is great, but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Like this is great. I, this is high art, but like um, the way by eighth grade I, I you were like, it, why don't you carry Cannibal Holocaust? <laughs> I'm like, um, at the library. You fucking yeah, at the library. You uncultured swine. Um, I have to no, write my is, senator. This is this is a this is a commentary on colonizers. Like you don't understand. <laughs> but like I live like animals in this movie, ma'am. Oh, you don't understand. Like it was a different time for the but... art. Yeah, <laughs> for the art. It was but, for the art. But the way I watch them are different now. I think what attracts me, like. I think of feeling like, I mean, an outsider, honestly, like I am a black queer woman and I feel like what attracts me to horror movies now is just like kind of coming at it from an outsider perspective because it is, like you were saying earlier, is the horror of being a marginalized person and it speaks to that. Mm-hmm. Um, not even the movies that aren't about like, you know, it's not Get Out, it's not us, it's not those specific movies that are geared towards that story, but like even... I don't know, like something like, I'm trying to think of like a good one. Ooh, like uh, The Haunting, right? Like The Haunting, the very classic, like ghost. Oh, the, the, the original. The original one. No, not the one with Catherine Zeta-Jones. I was <laughs> like, you mean Catherine Zeta and queer icon Lily Taylor? And Owen Wilson? Wow. Ghost. That was great. Wow. Everyone could. That's like the first one that you ask a millennial, oh, do you do impressions? They're like, yeah, I do Owen. I do. <laughs> wow. I mean, I was delightful though. I love that. <laughs> but like, I do even, Owen. I'm just uh, doing Jennifer Aniston <laughs> in my voice. Oh, Jennifer yeah, Aniston from like... Friends. Wow. <laughs> oh, ew. They are the same person. Isn't it weird? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but ever since no, Vanessa right. Bayer came out with that Jennifer Aniston impression, <laughs> that you're like, holy crap, it's uncanny. Yeah, they're the, have you ever seen them in the same room? Nope, nope, they're the same person. Call Ariel Dundas, it's a conspiracy. It's canon, boom. But um, but even like a movie like The Haunting, I mean, at its core, that movie is about- It's a queer story, yeah. It's a queer story. And it's also about isolation. It's about feeling like you're <clears throat> alienated. It's like feeling like you're an outsider. And I feel like that speaks to me. And a lot of horror movies do that. And they they tell that story, you know? I think that's if it's why from the so many, point of view of the villain or the victim, you know? Yeah, I think that's why so many classic horror movies can become coded as queer. And I think because queer isn't tied to uh, race and class as much, it, it's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's easier somewhat to code things as queer than it is to code them as looking at it from being a racial outsider. Does that make any mm-hmm. sense? I not being super so, privy maybe. to a lot of things like going back. My horror journey started far later than Sonique's. But yeah. When did you start watching horror movies? Um, in like earnest, like my mid-teens. Gotcha. But it's not, you know, it's like uh, the friend that would be like, yo, this, this movie's fucking ridiculous. We got to watch it. So then I still <laughs> am like. Like we watched Misery yesterday and that was my first time watching it, even Uh. though I know of it. (laughs) So it's like, there are a lot of classics (laughs) I haven't seen, but I, you know, like the older the movies, the more just inherently colorless they are, (laughs) you know? So so, (laughs) literally, figuratively, in many ways. They're literally black and white. (laughs) Um, But so it's very much like, this is all just to say, I agree with you. It's easier to queer code older movies because there are also not a lot of like color representation so that makes- if you were to code you got to go with what's there right people yeah that makes sense i think that comes from that just me sense. not i think it comes easier to me being a queer person and simply not having the scope of experience of being a person of color maybe that's where that comment came from like it's easier because it's easier to me but that doesn't necessarily mean it's easier to someone else. All this to say in older movies, when people of color do show up, it's not, it's often in either a subservient or a predatory role. And that's covered in, mm-hmm. in um, horror noir. It's covered in other uh, documentaries yes. about 
about black representation in horror, which the floodgates mm-hmm. of which was opened with Get Out. So naturally it's, are, are people like, oh, you're doing a, a black horror podcast? Have you done dot, dot, dot? How often is the next <laughs> words out of their mouth, Jordan Peele? <laughs> <laughs> which is funny too, because it's like, he's not the only like what like there's no there's, he's not okay are, is is black representation in horror like are we underrepresented yes mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that we aren't represented like we exist right. in horror that is, like actually is, quite a lot and, like, and, before and, jordan peele <laughs> it's such it's a, i really not to bring everything back to music but it's you know when i please, argue please. for people trying to be like like we need more diversity in the orchestra i'm like hire black people hire people of color and they're like oh well you and then they go well you know the 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 pool of applicants is so small and i was like but it's there (laughs) i'm like it's fucking there (laughs) yeah and it's also it's not so small that you couldn't have an orchestra of brown faces tomorrow (laughs) like it's and i think also like what looks like black horror is different in a lot of aspects so there are certain movies that i would consider are kind of under the umbrella of horror that I think white audiences wouldn't say just because they're not black. Like Eve's Bayou. I was just Beloved. about to say Eve's Bayou because Beloved is a horror in my book. That's a horror movie. That Aren't is there's ghosts it, in Beloved, right? There's ghosts. Like there's a ghost baby that's terrorizing this poor family that represents slavery. Like, yeah, this is horror, but I think a white person would watch those movies and be like, oh, it's like a drama. And I'm like, I mean, outside of even just like the supernatural elements, like obviously, because like even Eve's Bayou does have like the supernatural in it, like that's interwoven, but like the core of the story is about like racialized trauma, like both sides. That is horrific. But if you are a white person watching it, it doesn't resonate the same way. But like I watched, rewatched Beloved just the other night and it scared the shit out of me. That's a scary like a movie. Conversation to have <laughs> with just like, a middle-aged white guy like oh i didn't see that Hmm, i just thought it was a fine movie there's nothing spooky about that well when the golden globes nominated (laughs) get out for best comedy (laughs) probably because well they they can i mean it's satire back on so many things like jordan peele started as a comedian i'm like how is this movie about murder and body switching and science how is that and of course his response was it's a documentary (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> the most the most jordan peele response <laughs> i mean and there's like it's satirical that movie like there is there are comedic elements like right in there but i the horror definitely is first i think the comedy well, is very subtle it's not in your face he said that in interviews right that because people were like oh how the hell did you make a horror movie funny man <laughs> and he's like well imagine like, the, yeah it's like two things at once yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not not to even go into just having multiple skill set. Um, he's like the fine line between like horror and funny is right there. You know, it's like oh if, yeah, if like you're uncomfortable, you laugh because you don't know what to fucking do. There's so, then so you many times that. you laugh during a horror movie. Yeah, sure. mm-hmm. so, yeah, and it's about tension, and yeah. that's what he says exactly. Yeah. Which right? is what comedy's about too. It's the about releasing tension. Set it's up the same punchline. All you got to do is just make it spooky, and it's horror. And exactly. they're like, oh, it's not so comedy. You're that's a comedy movie. <laughs> <sighs> Thank uh, you so much for listening. <laughs> I've been Jordan Peele. Not that you care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love you, Keegan. <laughs> oh God, can you can you imagine if footage of that exists somewhere? No, they've burned as soon as that happened in one interview, the 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 head of that network was like, okay, burn the tapes. We're burning yeah. all the tapes. <laughs> bury it bury it that that can never come out (laughs) oh my goodness and you mentioned Eve's Bayou which is directed by Cassie is it Cassie or Cassie Lemons I think it's like Cassie Cassie Lemons but she's people um, were lauding her for directing Harriet recently and I'm like she didn't come from nowhere she directed Eve's Bayou she was in multiple horror movies so to to horror watchers Cassie Lemons has always been around and it just seemed like when Harriet came out, people were like, it's an important, it's important because it's a black woman directing. And I'm like, she's been a black woman directing for 20 years. This, you're only just now giving her the credit for being one of the only commercially successful black women making movies since 
the early 90s. You know, she was one of the only ones to be able to break into that. People and love suddenly, doing right. shit. And suddenly they they're like, it. she's she's arrived. It's, it's like colonizing it's again, like, right? They're it's like, like we it's discovered like, this person. Oh, thank you. Literally, thank you. it's That's like twerking. It's on. like twerking. It's like Miley Cyrus starts to twerk and suddenly <laughs> it's like, have you heard of twerking? It's like, honey, we've been twerking this whole time. Yeah. Work that, yeah. twerk that? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's like, it's that same attitude. Like, we've we've known her. It's happening with Issa Rae right now because that awesome deal she got. I'm like, honey, we've been on Issa Rae since day one. Like, catch up. <laughs> we've been on the like, YouTube video. We've been on Awkward Black Girl. We've been on that with with Nicole Byer. It's like, I watched Girl Code on MTV. Right? Thank you. I don't need I'm to like, watch oh, her judge cakes. <laughs> yeah. I've seen her talk about her pussy on TV. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know she's funny as fuck. <laughs> she's been funny. <laughs> There's this, uh, I took this one class in the old college and but it was talking about music in America but it was basically talking about how popular music exists as it does because of black people you know it's like because and and so the whole theme of the class was talking about like ownership so we start off with like vaudeville like Mm -hmm. uh, blackface so then they would have white you know white people doing blackface but then that wasn't authentic enough so then they had black people in blackface because they were like, well, they did just have black people do these shit routine minstrel shows. Right. But then mm-hmm. that wasn't like that wasn't enough of the character of blackness that they wanted. So then they needed black people in blackface, like, high, you know, over exaggerated, like big lip makeup and shit. Then we, you know, like black people invent the blues, which goes into jazz, which makes rock. And then, you know, so we're just creating everything. And then it goes into like, even with like rap and hip hop, those personas, it's like, like of the Jay-Z's and the Kanye's and shit. And it's like, that still just plays into the fantasy of what white America thinks these people are, or like this type mm-hmm. of person. And I'm just sitting here like, fuck, we've made everything in this country. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally made the country. <laughs> We made the th- the thing. <laughs> we built this city. <laughs> that song was. We built that this song city is the on. Second oh. oh no! Anthem. Is that is that like the new like uh, Negro uh, national anthem or whatever the Black yeah. National Anthem? Actually, no. We built this city. It's actually, a Negro be? spiritual. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Can I take Jefferson that bit? Starship? Can, I take Can that, that be feels? a sketch? Can we write that? <laughs> I'm he built kidding. this city as a Negro spiritual. <laughs> I think that'd be funny as hell. I'm writing that tonight. I'm You're doing it. <laughs> uh, you get a, Josh, you get like a producer credit on it. Oh my goodness. Thank yeah. you. Tag written by. No. <laughs> I didn't write any notes or write anything down. I was trying to get Eve's by you in this week. I've never seen it. And I'm going to probably watch it tonight. I was just trying to make it in. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. It is. And and I, Mm -hmm. and it's leaving at the end of the month because I am a totally stable individual who looks at the blogs that says what (laughs) movies are leaving at the end of the month so that, you know, Amazon can't fleece me by just shuffling the rights around arbitrarily like they do. You didn't have to add like that you're stable. It's, we know you are because you look at these blogs. Right, right. An insane person wouldn't plan their life. Yeah. I ended oh, up. That's a good point. Mm, thank you. I just be like, mm, I wonder what I wonder what grabs me. But what ended up grabbing me were other movies that I watched specifically because they happened to have black people in the cast. I watched Queen of the Damned, starring Alia, and Vamp, starring Grace Jones, and mm-hmm. very quickly realized that both of them are in about fifteen minutes total of both movies. It's yeah, they're barely in it, and. The marketing is like Grace Jones in Vamp. She does one dance number and then she appears. They she maybe had she maybe had to do three days of coverage. Like she was busy. But it's wild how these horror movies will use what sells and then only give black women so much space in these movies. And it it really it really speaks to how black women are tokenized in horror movies, I think. Oh, for sure. And that's even if they're there, because like the sad reality is that when I think about horror movies that have black women, um, one of the first one that jumps out to me is The Craft. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the uh, other Rachel True's Rachel True's confessionals in horror noir made that movie so uh, yes, just she's amazing. Yes, um, or I think of like stuff from like the black exploitation era, like mm-hmm. Sugar Hill. I think I about love Sugar um, Hill, like Sugar Hill, absolutely. Um, what's the? I can't remember the other one. There's the other one that's like. Is it a black exploitation film? Yeah, she's like possessed. Abby and Abby. That's the other one. Abby. I think of those, but I. But the sad reality is that I can't think of very many contemporary horror movies that like. I mean, us non-Jordan Peele right. horror movies that like, center black women. I like, like that he's right, and everyone's like, "I love Get Out," and I love Get Out, and I love black pres- representation. I want, I want a diverse back. I want so many, and and you have to pause and go, "Oh, you know, the movie was about you, right?" <laughs> Movie was about <laughs> white liberals like you, right? <laughs> like you're the villain. <laughs> I am. Twirl my little mustache. Oh, um, well, not that you, you, obviously. No, but the that's the thing yeah, that there, white people are so good at. Much. Like I just did, turning it around to, but not me, right? <laughs> because we're very the true. Fragile. The true villain, the Agatha of the world. Yes, it was neoliberal Agatha all along. <sighs> Uh, <laughs> but I mean that's what's so great about Get Out though is that like it is amusing seeing white liberal audiences get very excited about it and like missing the point altogether that was one they, of the last they, yeah that was one I of the last it. movies that really benefited from seeing it in a in a theater in a group setting yes I saw so it in me, a black theater yes it was so highly fun. recommended very important <laughs> I oh it black people it was great dude, I I saw I saw us in a white theater and then, no, I saw it actually in a weird combination of, I saw it in this theater in Rogers Park. So it was not a black theater, but it was Mm. just like drunk white college kids, like from Loyola. Mm -hmm. And they weren't like saying funny quips. They were just drunk. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I have grew up predominantly with a lot of white people. So I wasn't too too privy to that experience but then i went to this black theater to watch us the second time like on a break between gigs and then there's completely different movie (laughs) it was so dope there are these like two like like aunties behind me and then so like when like he sits down in his bed like with his like and he's in his boxers and they're like oh damn Like, yeah, the dad so was so hot. They love. They love. They're like, butt. wait, is that Mabaku? Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it, it's a time. I, I, uh, so that sounds amazing. Yeah. I had like an opposite. Do you remember the movie You Got Served? Yeah. Yes. I had the opposite <laughs> experience. You got served. I had. I had two aunts sitting behind me. Two two elderly white ladies, as I was watching the movie, and like Steve Harvey shows up in that movie i just remembered that in real time oh yeah steve harvey and he's doing his whole speech and he's like now which team is the baddest and you cannot teach timing like this the lady behind me went i thought they were good no (laughs) i thought they were the good team (laughs) oh that is that is precious in like the most bland vanilla way i was watching it with it was the oh, moment Barbara. I became my mother who grabs <laughs> pe- he grabs you during movies and I had to grab my sister to keep from laughing so hard at that comment. <laughs> oh man. I like seeing seeing get out in a black theater was amazing because like I mean aside from just like the commentary like I love black people just like watching. I know oftentimes it's framed as like, oh, it can be so annoying when they talk. And it's like, I thought it was funny because people were giving some really good quips and I had a good ass time. But it was such a great experience, particularly at the end of the movie when the cops show up. I've never felt an oh, audience get oxygen. like the feeling of everyone going, oh, and just like, shit, it's done. Like it, it was such like, I'm getting chills thinking about it because it's such a visceral experience of Truly. like this collective blackness of like, oh, well, here we go. He about to die right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, 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 and at the point where even the white people in the room stop breathing because it's like oh you know you you know like you can't you can't deny that you know this now you can't you can't feign ignorance when those lights show up we all like when you saw those lights you thought the same thing that everyone else in that room thought 
and you know why you did. <laughs> Sunit, yeah. did you see it with Evan? I did not see it with Evan. I saw it with my best friend who's a black woman, but I did show it to him like a year ago or so because I wanted to do a rewatch. So I was like, you need to watch this movie. And then I just stared at him the whole time. Evan is white um, husband I or white boyfriend? My fiance, he's white boyfriend, fiance. I call him, I just don't call you him switch. fiance, really. White fiance? I switch because like, it's just weird calling him a fiance. Like, it's weird. White boyfriend, white when fiance, she, same person. When she person, gets though. on her shit, she's like my fiance. But, <laughs> but yeah, yes, both, like, oh, both, both of yeah. our- When he does something stupid, he's this white, white man that lives in my house. Yeah. Like, this white man. <laughs> truly. But I saw it with Alana, who is also white, um, my lady friend. And it was- Every time I caught looks with like, a, especially if it was a black guy and they had like a white partner, they'd just be like, watch out. <laughs> like, yeah. Every, and it was kind of like the dad joke of every black man leaving that theater. Like, watch out. <laughs> yeah, we decided that when we finally cover it, we're going to have Alana and, and Evan on. I feel like it's only appropriate to have yeah. our white partners on for that discussion. <laughs> I yeah, that's gonna be a time. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have to like watch what I say because her mom loves her and listens to everything and watches everything she does. She's a singer, so she has gigs too. But she doesn't listen to my shit because she's like, I don't like horror movies. But, but she'll but listen to it if she'll listen to that one. So if I say like your family's fucking crazy <laughs> or like you said one kind of ignorant racist thing, I was like, I can't, I gotta be on good behavior. Not your mom you just say your mom is as nice as the queen of england to me and leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> she she's uh she's as racially sensitive as kate a royal um, yeah right <laughs> the, the only the only downside i think of the jordan peele effect is now i feel like every horror movie that has black people is like is trying compared, to do it yeah because yeah, now there's that anthology series coming out them that see have you heard of it it's on amazon it them? hasn't come out yet them. Oh, them. yeah Is it's it about I've... the untethered no it's um it's produced by lena waith and someone else but it's like an anthology series i think this first i i feel i get the feeling that it's going to be like an american horror story but like with black people and the first season it looks like it's going to be about a black family in the 60s that moves into a white neighborhood and I'm happy, of course. I'm always happy to see Black representation and see our stories being told. But the downside of like the Jordan Peele effect is now I feel like every horror movie that comes out with Black people has to be this very like ham-fisted like racial commentary. And it's like, the reality is that when Black people are in something, especially if they're a part of the creation of it, that commentary just comes out organically. So I kind of, but I'm kind of worrying that now it's going to be this very like, it was white people all along every time. And it's like, okay, we get it. But like, I want... <laughs> It's going to get right. very repetitive and very now, soon. Yeah. And they're like always being like, oh, this is, oh, this is the gay get out or this is the Asian get out. And it's like, we don't need gay, yeah. gay get outs, Asian get outs. We just need more diverse people telling their own stories or amazing, like what a novel concept introduced by Jordan Peele in the movie Us, a black family where their blackness is not actually integral to the plot. Right, like we could still do horror with like marginalized folks without it being about our traumas. Right, you it's know, like we be... could we could just be in a ghost story. I it doesn't have to be, be Janelle Monae transported. You mean <laughs> it's that black... be a racist ghost? It could just be a ghost story, like with black, black family, you know. <laughs> that black ghost story? No, it's just a ghost story with Janelle Monae. Yeah, <laughs> calm down. Right, it's like when it's Viola be... Davis is like, "You guys have to stop calling me the Black Meryl Streep. It has to end." <laughs> Right, like I am Viola Davis. I am Viola Davis, and I'm a bad bitch. People like to, in in every regard, they like to liken, you know, like black successes or anything. There has to be like a white equivalent, and you know, like that happens with like women, right? There has it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. like calling this person like, oh, the female Michael Jordan or what have you. So, but I'm I'm sick of that shit. Is that Lisa Leslie? I don't know anything about basketball. I can't remember. It's. Just... I feel like they were probably calling her that. I would not be surprised. 
surprised if they were like, she's yeah, the you know. She's female Michael Jordan. She's tall and plays that's just, basketball. That's just Michael Jordan. You're just talking about Michael Jordan. <laughs> Guys, what the fuck? You're just using her as an excuse to talk about Michael Jordan more. <laughs> they're like, they're like, uh, <laughs> Nadia Comaneci has such a wonderful frame. She almost has a grace kind of like Michael Jordan's as he shuffles along the field. Like, they're just, using uh, any excuse to just go back to Michael Jordan. They're A to C everything back to Michael Jordan as fast as possible. But especially with like the comparison to like Bella Davis and Meryl Streep, it's like they're two very different actors. Like, yeah, and who gets paid They're more? both amazing. Also, who gets paid more? But like, you're just comparing them because like, this is the one black actress I can think of who is very famous and very talented. And that's the problem is that there's tons of us. I'm gonna include myself in there because I also act. I'm not Viola Davis, but I, I'm all right. There's ton, tons of, uh, of, of talent. And if, they, if you actually gave the chance to these people, you wouldn't have to do, oh, she's the black Meryl Streep. She's the black Judy Dench or like whatever the fuck, you know? Right. She's saying all this. So. But it's like, yo, have you heard of Sonique Smythe? She's the she's the black this famous actor. And she'll be like, I am, but pay me more. <laughs> How much do they make? Yeah. I kid. Don't ever compare Sonique to anybody. She's her own person. In I do think Thank you. I do think we're gonna hit a point like, you know with a lot of tropes. <laughs> Like, you know, th- like the person, even in like just drama things where someone dies and they like eyes close and they're dead. And then it was like, that's overdone. So now people, then there was that period where everyone died with their eyes open. And, <laughs> and now then you had like to a- close the eyes <laughs> yeah. with that weird hand motion thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like with, the three claws. Because that's what you do. Yeah. Close <laughs> the eyes. Prong their eyes. But who here's about what- to touch a dead body? <laughs> Yeah, I, I just witnessed this. Soul respectful. Don't I'm touch a dead that. body. But that's what we'll do. Like, that's what we'll get with like. So we have to go through like a decade of ham-fisted like racial messages with uh, like casts of color, and then they'll be like, "Oh, they can just act and tell stories, and then we'll be fine." But it's we gonna be to. a hellish ten years. We have to no. go through this. It no. is. I we mean, have the to thing go is, through five it hasn't always of... been that way. <laughs> of every pitch meeting being like, okay, so let's take uh, Zendaya um, and uh, okay, we're gonna send her back in time to uh, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, what uh, what racist era haven't we done yet? And just like every pitch meeting is like, who, what famous singer songwriter can we send at, to what racist so Lil, time So period? Lil Nas X shows up in Greece. It's ancient Greece. <laughs> it's- <laughs> He's an arms dealer. It's the Battle of Algiers. He's trying to. <laughs> Sorry, Sadie, you were saying something earlier. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, what was I saying? Wait, no. But the thing is, is like we have examples of this already. It's it's not even like, you know, progress isn't linear. That's the weird thing. So like now we're in the space of like it has to be done this way. But like, there's examples of like Candyman. We talked mm-hmm. we talked about Candyman on the show. Like Candyman mm-hmm. has that racial discussion mm-hmm. but it's not that in your it's not like in your face like it's right. i don't yeah, know i'm wondering what's gonna look like once they and allyship it does right people do and class it's yeah it's very cleverly woven into the story and not just like the villain was white supremacy even though like honestly the villain's always white supremacy let's be real <laughs> Like a Scooby-Doo episode they like rip off the mask it was white supremacy <laughs> all along <laughs> Basically. Uh, yes, they rip off a mask and there is a much simpler but much more offensive mask underneath. And you're like, oh boy, oh. wow. Scooby-Doo's <laughs> going just... hard. Speaking of Scooby-Doo, the mask on. <laughs> you, would, you, you may or may not be surprised that the most common movie that people ask to do that I have to always say, oh, we've already done that, is Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Oh, that has oh, been I one of the movie. most popular choices. And oh, I haven't seen that in forever. And I'm more of a, I'm more how of a could there be a, a Bayou set Scooby Doo and they don't have any black people in it? <laughs> it's a yeah. little fucking point. Wow. People, yeah. Now I have Even, to rewatch. Just Cajuns. I guess no Creoles canceled. <laughs> Scooby Doo and Seuss. We gotta put them in the bin with Potato Head and 
all that bullshit. <laughs> like, like it wasn't some kind of capitalist ploy for people to buy one half of the country to buy the books that are going out of print and the other half of the country to buy the books that are staying in print because Seuss is so woke. He's dead. He has no idea what's going on. You know which one I liked? I liked um, the Alvin and the Chipmunks werewolf one. That one was Ooh. good. That one? Yeah. yeah. It had a Did song it work the if the chipmunks were black? Oh, wait. Are Alvin and the Chipmunks white? I think they're chipmunks. <laughs> I think you're right. And <laughs> so don't have race. Yeah, except for mine. My dog is definitely black. <sighs> I've seen Hendrix. He is he's not black. What makes he does your not dog like black? he does not like white people. My dog doesn't like white people, except for my uh, except for Evan. He does not like white people. And that's only because he's white people with food. <laughs> Yeah, it's like he White didn't have food. White people with he food is one of my favorite shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, White people on food. It's just like, what, <laughs> what are we doing today, Beth? Well, we're cooking. No seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, how many variations on this potato salad can we make? None, because we know one recipe. Let's try putting kale in it. Let's be naughty. <laughs> yeah. This is a whole 30 potato salad. Oh, it's God. 30 potato. Oh, God. The whole, it's a whole 30 keto gluten-free potato salad with um, no potatoes because that's offensive to the Irish. And we're so sorry. <laughs> we can't use potatoes anymore. That's all for part one of this episode of the gag um please join us next week i'll be releasing this i'll be releasing the second part of this spoop cast with saint egan andrew uh next friday hopefully and i hope that you liked this part and will join us for the second part and if you want you can go to my patreon page at uh, patreon.com slash gagpod that's www.patreon.com slash g-a-g-p-o-d gagpod um and check out what's going on over there okay thanks love you bye